Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet following the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBT community. In this episode, I talked to woofy Where the Bears Are star Ian Parks about the upcoming sixth season of the award-winning web series. Plus, from this week's LGBT headlines, there's a new reality show from Logo that focuses on beach life on Fire Island. The Supreme Court U-turned on hearing an important case regarding transgender rights, and South Dakota earns the dubious distinction of passing the first anti-LGBT law in this legislative session. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. First up this week, I get to talk with Woofy Ian Parks from the hit web series Where the Bears Are. Now approaching its sixth season, the show began back in 2012 when web series were just beginning to catch on from the creative team of Rick Kopp, Joe Deedle, and Ben Zook. Where the Bears Are is a comedy mystery web series that has accumulated over 23 million views over five seasons and has won Best Gay Web Series from many LGBT media outlets. The show, described as a cross between Golden Girls and Murder, She Wrote, features four bears living in the hills of Silver Lake forever finding themselves in the middle of a murder mystery. There's constant tongue-in-cheek humor and big hairy men thrown in for eye candy. The show consists of 16 7 to 7-8-minute episodes that culminates in solving the mystery. The show has a worldwide fan base, and the creators and stars have been flown to Europe, Australia, and Mexico, and this season, for season six, they are promising the most ambitious season yet. There's going to be a spy plotline, of course a murder, and the return of one of their most notorious villains. Ooh. Known for their shocking plot twists, they promise that this season will dazzle diehard fans and new viewers alike. Now that we have all of that information out of the way, I'm happy to welcome to the show Ian Parks. How are you, Ian? I'm great. I'm just great. Do you know... It was back in 2012 when you guys did the first season of the show, and I was just so taken by the show. I had you on the Candy and Randy show at the time, and looking back, when I look at all of our numbers, you were our biggest interview ever. Really? We had 100,000 listens to that one show. I'm, I'm very surprised and flattered, and I, I was actually wondering the other day, because I know I've talk, talked to you a couple times over the last couple of years, and you've always been very supportive of us and everything like that. And I was just like, how long has he been hip to where the bears are? Were you, you've been on board since season one, right? Oh, season one. You know, the thing for me about where the bears are is from the get-go, I've always liked and, and been enamored of the idea of web series because I have no attention span, first of all. <laughs> so watching a movie at home is a big commitment to me because that's two hours. I'm like, oh, gosh. I can at least pause it, right? I love web series, and I love Where the Bears Are. We've got woofy, hot, furry guys. We have mysteries. We have tongue-in-cheek humor. I have liked it from the get-go. Can you believe here you are, 2017, and you guys are about to start season six? It's. I was talking with uh, Joe the other day, uh, Joe who plays Wood. I was talking with him just yesterday, and we were sort of 
laughing at the surrealness of it because uh, back when we were starting season one, you know, when they were telling me about it after I got the part, they were telling me about it and they were just like, we don't know if anyone's really going to watch this. It's probably just going to be like our friends who watch it or people from LA because they'll see people in places that they know. And we really don't expect much aside from that. And then here we are years later trying to do a sixth season and it's just sort of like, wow, none of us saw this coming. <laughs> so it's been, it's been quite a ride to say the least. Now I have to ask, talk to me a little bit about how the show or the approach to the show might've changed from season one to now, as you get ready to season six, because obviously the show's gotten bigger. You guys have thousands and thousands and thousands of fans who follow every episode and the show just gets bigger and bigger. Like I know your budgets get bigger and the writing and the casting. Well, we've, um, the budget, the budget's been about the same the whole time. We've just gotten better at finding ways to stretch it as far as it'll go. But yeah, we kind of have a, we've kind of set ourselves up with a, a difficult obstacle to co overcome each year because we do want to keep going bigger and we do want it to keep getting like uh, a bigger scope, you know, more things possible. And it's just it's we've so far been able to do it, but it's gonna at some point it's just like okay, it's like we can't, you know, we we joke sometimes that if we ever got to like season twelve. We'll do like bears in space, and it'll be like a gravity <laughs> ripoff kind of thing. Just be like, because at some point it's just going to get to like that completely over the top. Wow, how much bigger can we get than this? Uh, I actually saw it when we did season three. The last three episodes of season three took place on the airplane, and at the time, I remember thinking I was just like, I have no idea how we're going to top this. I was like, because, and I even still think to this day that those last three episodes of season three were arguably the best sequence of stuff that we were able to put down in the show. I mean, it was just, it all came together so beautiful. And I remember when we were filming it, it was just sort of like, I don't know how this is going to look in the end, but then all these pieces kind of fell into place. And I'm, you know, looking back on it now, I'm super proud of that. Do you have a favorite season or a favorite episode? Each, each year I kind of have one or two episodes that to me are like my favorite for that season. But overall, I would say my favorite season was season four. Uh, that's the one where uh, I don't want to give, it's hard to know like who's out there listening. I, at this point, it's like season four is the one where Nelson and I get married. I kind of thought that one was just, that one I thought was, it came together so well. And that one, we, we let it get more dramatic than usual. We let, you know, there was some, you know, it was more tightly knit than usual as far as I think the characters interactions with each other. So for me, it's like season four is a standout, but the sequence at the end of season three is also a standout. There's a couple episodes in season two that I always revisit because they're personal favorites. So there's always something going on that I, you know, look back on. I'm just like, wow, I'm really impressed with how that was able to come together. You know, that's exciting because it's like you never know. I never know what that's going to be until I see the finished product. I love that in the scripting, there never seems to be any fear in getting more and more outrageous. And sometimes not even in the scripts, but in the promos. I noticed on Facebook the other day, the guys had you taking a shower while pitching the Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> and you're like, see, this yeah. just goes to show I'll do anything they tell me to do. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, and a couple people have been like, were you wearing shorts when you were filming that? And I was just like, why would I need to wear shorts? I've been <laughs> naked in front of these people so many times. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Doing much more embarrassing things than just taking a shower. So 
I know uh, I had a conversation with Ben the other day about what we have in store for season six, and it's I'm already just like cringing, thinking, I was like, oh god, that's going to be awkward to shoot, but it'll be fun. It's going to be it's going to be possibly the most over the top gratuitous kind of thing we've ever done, but. You know, and it's always you have to have a sense of humor when you're doing it. You sort of have to just sort of be like, you know, kind of shrug and be like, okay, this is going to be a little awkward, but it's going to be funny in the end. So that's the most important part. It does seem to be a running gag that they they keep trying to push Todd into more and more and more over the top outrageous moments. They really like showing you off a bit. <laughs> you're very good at it. Uh, the, the detectives too. They they've even sort of said I, there was a funny line. Uh, in the fifth season where my character said, it's like, God, all, it's like all they do is have sex. Because it's like we always seem to put the detectives in situations where they're like mid-sex whenever we stumble across them, which is fine. You know, everyone's a good sport about it. And Joe, Rick, and Ben, and everyone's been naked there, there you know, plenty of times. So, like, I don't feel like it's all focused just on me, which is nice. And they spread it around a little bit. I'm always appreciative of that. You know, speaking of spread it around, my last question, I won't keep you much longer, but spreading it around, I notice you guys have over 107,000 fans on Facebook, and you're in the middle of, of your Kickstarter campaign. You have one more week to go. I did the math, like, I need to shame your fans. They, Everybody listening, you need to, like, <laughs> pony up a dollar forty. I did the math, and, like, 107 into 150, if everyone would, like, pitch in a few dollars— you could pay for this so easy. And I'm a big fan of LGBT-created entertainment. You know, you constantly hear from the community, we want, we want music created for us and by us. We want films, we want TV, and you guys are really doing this. And it's, it is always entertaining. It's always a lot of fun. So I want everybody listening, throw some money to these guys. And it doesn't have to be big dollars. I think sometimes when people go to a Kickstarter or a, a crowdfunding campaign and they think, oh, I have to throw in $50 or I have to throw in 25 which would be great. But it really doesn't take a lot from all the fans collectively if they would just help and, like, make this happen. So that's my pitch. If all of these 107,000 people gave $3, which is, like, the price of a cup of coffee at Starbucks, yeah. we could literally make two seasons. There you go. And my whole thing is, it's, first of all, to the people that donate every year – I mean, we are so, so appreciative because it's really because of our fans and supporters that the show is able to continue at all. So, so we're super appreciative of everyone uh, who contributes and makes it happen each year. There is part of, you know, I, I would love to see more people donating this year. Just even if it's just a couple bucks each, I just want to see more people donating because the way I see it, entertainment is something that has value to people. I mean, if like if someone out there has watched all five seasons of the show and they've watched them all and enjoyed them all and they plan on watching the sixth season, clearly the show has value to them. So why not put a couple bucks down to say, yes, I would I would be disappointed if the show couldn't continue. This show has value to me and I'm willing to show that even if it's just a little amount, if everyone gave just a little bit, it would add up to, you know, a huge if everyone put down $5, we could make Three yeah. seasons. Yeah. It's just a little bit goes a long way, and we have this power in numbers, and I would just love to see more people contributing because I know the show does have value to people, and it does mean a lot to a lot of people out there. So we're super appreciative for everyone's support, and, you know, uh, we have six – like you said, we have six days left, and we I think we're like 84 or 85% yeah. funded, so we're yeah. so close. And one more thing, folks, to the people listening, we've got to get to the 150 goal or the guys don't get the money. Boo on that. 
So yeah, it's an all or nothing, and it's these uh, these fundraising these Kickstarter things. It's like a month of hell because it literally is every year. We have no idea if we're going to make it, and if we don't make it, then that's like the show's done, like yeah. done for good. One more thing that crosses my mind about this, too, is in this day and age, so many people are cutting the cord from having cable TV or anything like that. And people are going online more and more for their their TV, and, and they're using their smart TVs and their apps and their Apple TVs. And, and people are paying like eight ninety nine a month for CBS All Access or something, or they're, they're paying twelve ninety nine for Hulu or something. Or, or they're downloading entire episodes for $35 from iTunes. Well... For $5, you can be a part of where the bears are and, like, contribute. So, you know, just in that mindset, as, as people are, like, accessing their own digital information and entertainment these days, there are just so many reasons to contribute. So I, I'm a cheerleader for you guys. I think it, what you, that you guys do is great. I think it's awesome. And I just want people to, like, make this happen so we get season six of where the bears are. We have so much good stuff in store, too, this year. I've, I talked to them yesterday and was like, what can I, what can I tease? as far as what's coming for season six and the tidbits that I can let out. It's like, we're going to do a spy plotline and a murder plotline this year. So we've got a lot going on. Todd has to deal with an international assassin. Wood is getting back into porn. Reggie's got a new love interest. Uh, Nelson has a major disaster with his, you know, acting career. Uh, the detectives are starting a private eye business. The bad guy from season two is, uh, is coming back. So there's all this stuff going on. And of course, you know, we're trying to go bigger and better than we have before. And any, any support that we could get from people would be so appreciated because it's all thanks to our audience that we're able to keep doing it. And so, you know, that's, that's the most important thing I want to say is just thank you to everyone for the continued support over these last couple of years because it means so much to us. Well, thank you so much for having time to chat, and I know that we're going to see those numbers hit. It's going to, it's going to be like the Labor Day telethon or something, and they're going to roll the numbers, and it's <laughs> going to be over the top. And, but thank you so much for having time to chat, and I can't wait to see the next season. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm always happy to talk to you. Remember, folks, you can head over to wherethebearsare.tv for more information about the series and to see how you could maybe kick in a few dollars to their Kickstarter campaign and be a part of the Where the Bears Are community. Good luck on Season 6. In other LGBT entertainment news, it looks like the Logo TV network is going to attempt its own version of the Jersey Shore. Maybe we'll be calling this the Gay Shore? Or how about Tops and Bottoms with the Tide? Because why should straight people be the only ones to get to embarrass themselves on reality seaside locales? Get ready to see all of Fire Island, the Pines, the Grove, the Meat Rack, maybe, featured throughout the season on Fire Island. From executive producers Kelly Rippa and Mark Consuelos, they said in a statement, We fell in love with Fire Island years ago the minute we stepped off the ferry. We're excited to share the long-standing magic of the island with this new series and to be working again with our Logo family. Here's a synopsis of the show. Fire Island follows a group of sexy young professionals living together in a beachfront share house for the summer as they search for romance, temptation, and thrills that have brought the LGBTQ community to the island for decades. What do you think, listeners? Does this sound like top-shelf, over-the-top RuPaul's Drag Race kind of fun? Or will this be more along the lines of gay dating show looking for Prince Charming? Stay tuned. In political news... It's clear there will be no historic ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court on transgender rights. 
at least not this year. This week, the U.S. Supreme Court changed course on the decision to hear the case filed by the American Civil Liberties Union on behalf of transgender student Gavin Grimm, who was seeking to use the boys' restroom at his Virginia school consistent with his gender identity. Two years ago, Grimm sued the school board under Title IX, which bars sex discrimination in federally funded schools, insisting that this prohibition encompasses gender identity discrimination. The Obama administration agreed, issuing guidance to that effect. Then, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, relying on that guidance, ruled against the school board and affirmed Gavin Grimm's right to use the right bathroom. But in February... The Trump administration, remember how Trump was going to be better for the gays than Hillary? Not. The Trump administration reversed that guidance protecting transgender students, saying that bathroom rights should be left to the states. Attorneys for both the school board and Grimm definitely wanted to move forward, though. Now the case heads back to the Fourth Circuit, which will have to decide whether Title IX, based on its pure text, prohibits gender identity discrimination as a form of sex discrimination. It's notable to point out two things. One, clearly the Trump administration will be no friend to the transgender community. No surprise there. But imagine if we were living under a Hillary Clinton administration. She certainly would have left the Obama administration guidance in place, and she would have nominated a Supreme Court justice who would be liberal giving the court five solid left-leaning judges. Instead, we have a future with a probable Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, who will most likely rule against transgender rights. The sidestep is a sad anticlimax for Gavin Grimm, who is currently a senior and who will now have to use a converted utility closet as a bathroom for the remainder of his high school days. Head held high, Gavin penned a moving op-ed for the New York Times this week, which read in part, this case will not be resolved until after I graduate, but this fight is bigger than me. I came to realize that very early on, and it is truer now than it has ever been. This fight is for other trans youth in my high school. It is for other trans youth in Virginia. It is for all trans youth who are in school or one day will be. It is for the friends and loved ones of these youth who want these children to be happy and healthy rather than at risk and in danger as so many trans people are. Thank you to Gavin for putting up the good fight. We look forward to the next chapter in transgender rights. South Dakota earns the dubious distinction of being the first state this year to pass anti-LGBT legislation. Governor Dugard signed Senate Bill 149 into law, which allows taxpayer-funded adoption and foster care agencies to refuse services to LGBT people, such as by declining to place children with same-sex couples, if it would violate their sincerely held religious beliefs. But it's not just the gays who are targeted here, though, folks. The legislation also opens the door to religious-based discrimination against single parents, interracial couples, non-Christians, or others. The ACLU of South Dakota led the opposition to SB 49 through lobbying efforts and by organizing affected communities. Considering the state has a labor and talent shortage, it's not clear if South Dakota really welcomes diversity. The bill was opposed by local and national child welfare experts, including the Child Welfare League of America, the National Association of Social Workers, and the Voice for Adoption, as well as local and national LGBT rights organizations like the Human Rights Campaign. 
HRC legal director Sarah Warbelow issued a statement which read in part, Governor Dugard's action not only puts the best interests of the more than a thousand vulnerable children served by South Dakota's foster care system at risk, it signals the potential of a dark new reality for the fight for LGBTQ rights. These children could now wait longer to be placed in a safe, loving home at the whim of a state-funded adoption or foster care agency with a vendetta against LGBTQ couples, mixed-faith couples, or interracial couples, all while being taxpayer-funded. I had hoped that the governor might consider not signing the legislation in light of the fact that last year he vetoed an anti-trans bathroom bill after meeting with children who would have been affected, saying that they put a human face on the issue and helped him see it through their eyes. No such luck this time. And from the Christian Values Hypocrisy File, Four times married and divorced Christian Family Values Crusader Tennessee State Senator Joey Hensley has been named in the divorce filing for a local couple. According to court documents, both parties in the divorce allege he's been having relations with the wife for three years. Hensley, 61, was subpoenaed to testify in the divorce court proceedings of Hohenwald Vice Mayor Don Barber and his wife Lori. Citing legislative and medical privilege, Hensley refused to show up. When contacted by the Nashville scene as to why he didn't show up, Hensley said, I didn't have time to do it. I had nothing to do with the court case, and any testimony I would have given wouldn't have made any difference. But, according to sworn testimony of both barbers, Hensley has been having an affair with Lori since 2014. Lori, 48, is a part-time nurse in Hensley's medical practice. Oh, and did I mention she's also his second cousin? Normally I wouldn't care about backwoods drama like this, but back in 2012, Hensley gained national notoriety as a sponsor of the Don't Say Gay Bill, which would have banned public school teachers from men even mentioning the idea that homosexuality exists. At one point, while speaking on behalf of the anti-LGBT legislation, Hensley said, I don't think Modern Family is appropriate for children to watch because it features a married gay couple raising children. Apparently, having sex with your married second cousin is okay with Jesus, but whatever you do, don't say gay. And finally, earlier this week, organizers of the South Boston St. Patrick's Day Parade voted to not allow LGBT veterans group OutVets to march in this year's parade even though they had participated the last two years. After several sponsors and prominent politicians, including the mayor, pulled out of the event, parade organizers U-turned and issued an invite to the group. It's not clear whether a new vote was held or if parade organizer Tim DeRoss overrode the decision in light of the negative coverage. According to reports, OutVets had initially been denied entry because parade organizers said they violated the code of conduct which prohibits the advertisement or display of one's sexual orientation by carrying a rainbow flag and wearing a logo with a rainbow on it. I'm guessing all those rainbows with pots of gold throughout the Irish parade were exempt somehow. No word yet on whether or not OutVets will accept the invitation. Two quick items before I close. If you like what you hear on The Randy Report, I'd be mucho apreciado if you would leave a review for The Randy Report on iTunes. 
Even a quick thumbs up helps iTunes know I'm doing a good job, you like what you hear, and it'll help other listeners find this LGBT podcast. And if you would go ahead and hit that subscribe button on iTunes for The Randy Report, every time I upload a new episode, the interwebs will magically bring the groovy gay goodness right to you. All for free. And that, shiny happy people, means I've come to the end of this episode of The Randy Report Podcast. Remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, following the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBT community. Thanks for listening. See you next time. 